When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Trish, we have a new frontier that we have to cross <laughs> via some name dropping. Okay, go on. You Let me start. So good at the name dropping, yep. Yeah, I'm at the Booker Prize. Yes, obvs, <laughs> yeah. And I'm sat next to a very, very glamorous young 20-year-old woman, so glamorous, um, and the other side is Booker Prize judges, all the authors, Bernadine Evaristo, lovely room, Dua There I am in the middle of it. Lovely girl next door to me, Eden, says, you and Trish should go onto TikTok. Oh. <laughs> was she a TikToker? She was a TikToker earning yes. a fortune oh, being there a we TikToker. Go. Right. Okay. Very glamorous. A book talker. A book talker. Oh, she yes. says, specialise... I said, what do you think Trish and I should do? Should we talk about our skills and our wonderful journalism and the amazing serious things we should do? And she said, oh, no, 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 no. She said, you two, very funny, very funny. (laughs) (laughs) Just do agony, aren't she said. Oh! Things teenagers do that annoy you. Brilliant. Just boiling down 30 years of my career into yes. a TikTok moment We've there. We've got plenty of that, though. I think Marion and Millie, imagine unleashing those two, our alter egos, on TikTok. There's an idea. There's oh, an I'm idea. not sure mine's an actual alter ego. I think it might be my actual ego. <laughs> so, shall we launch ourselves on TikTok? Shall we do Let's that? Do we will Let's update do it. The world doesn't know what's about to hit it. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife. I'm Lorraine Candy. I'm Trish Halpin, and we're on a mission to help you make the most of your magnificent midlife. We'll be tackling everything from mind and body wellness to HRT and your sex drive. Lorraine and I are here to help you have a stylish second act and answer all your midlife questions on fashion, beauty, careers, relationships, family, and as always, the challenges and joys of parenting teens. Trish, I can't believe it. We are coming to the end of season seven of our oh, fabulous we've got podcast. A couple more to go. Couple more. I know, but the time has sped past. It and it's been such a blast, hasn't it? We've had a Pulitzer Prize winner, a Lady Mayor, a nineties telly icon, a million follower YouTuber, all in one series. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty proud actually of the huge variety of women that we get on postcards from midlife. They come on to tell their story, extraordinary midlife stories, and I have learned something from every single one of them. I know. Well, that is the joy of interviewing women, isn't it? And the kind of women we get, they just want to share their stories, they want to be helpful, they want to give advice. It's all about making other women's lives, including ours, uh, better in big and small ways, I'd say. It is. It's that's what you do for me, my little friend. <laughs> You brought stewed prunes into my life last week. Uh, And you also, this was very joyous, we Mm. had quite a serious meeting. I asked Mm. for a drink and you offered me a gin and tonic. (laughs) (laughs) It was an evening meeting, though, unusually. I thought it might pep us up a bit. But anyway, talking of bringing each other things, you brought me Lucy Wyndham-Reed, who gave me the seven-minute workout, uh, which I have to say, I've been finding that really useful, a bit of exercise to squeeze in when I can't do a sort of longer session, like my body pump class, can't get down to the gym, or indeed my swimsuit is just too baggy. The gusset's gone saggy, which I, I often talk about, so I can't go for a swim. But we have obviously shared so much more serious life experience between us, haven't we? prunes aside and and now we share it with listeners i'm still not quite over saggy gusset but i yeah, know continue. i know yeah. it's a continuing theme isn't it i've got a new swimsuit we're good. okay good good well i like to think of us as a roving midlife ambulance service <laughs> calling 999 postcards <laughs> TikTok idea. Yes, <laughs> it is. Yes, I don't. You don't know what TikTok is either. No, I don't really. Not yet. Yes, we are out and about delivering tips and tricks, resources, advice for our listeners all the time, especially on our private Facebook group. Yeah, that's true, and that's the point of our two-day live show, yes. uh, Postcards from Midlife Live. Um, we're actually putting the program together right now. There's going to be workshops, talks to answer all of our midlife listeners' questions in 
person. So it's kind of like a giant improve your magnificent midlife session in real life, isn't it? Yeah, we're very excited. We are literally in the planning stages of it. We keep going to each other's houses with big boards and pens and notepads and things like that. <laughs> um, we are going to have lots of our celebrity guests coming along. So I think, you know, women like Patsy Kensett, Louise Minchin, Sadie Frost and lots of the others that we've had on the show. Um, but the main point of the show really is to get answers to all the questions we keep here you asking. So that can be anything. How can I reboot my career? Should I go part time? Should I stay with my partner? Should I divorce him? Have I got a book in me? Any subject that affects you in midlife, we are going to bring in an army of experts to sort all those problems out. And you can ask those questions to them in person. Yes. And of course, uh, one of those questions might be about getting rid of the midlife middle. We'll have expert nutritionists joining us. We'll be talking to wellness and fitness experts, fashion and beauty gurus, finance advisors and the midlife playroom where you can explore your creativity. So arts and crafts, writing, embroidery. And we'll also be hosting the leading medical experts in perimenopause and menopause. So this is your chance to come along and ask all of the questions. I'm going to put my announcer's voice on again tickets are on sale now at postcards from midlifelive.co.uk i like that so, voice. is that a um, tiktok thing announcing on tiktok no, no okay no no one wants okay. to <laughs> i don't know about you and tiktok trish but can you hear my neighbor with his, announce- <laughs> his announcement drill next yes. door Oh. I mean, I go round and say, can I you know. turn this off for these specific two hours, please, with my yeah. very cross face on? And they say yes, and they take no notice of me. And, and it was the leaf blower the last time, wasn't it? We had a leaf blower. No, yesterday. it was a motorbike. Oh, it was a motorbike. It was a motorbike. Okay. Okay. Yeah, just, I don't know, you need to move to the country and it'll just be birds tweeting in the background. <laughs> That'll send me mad. Yes. <laughs> right, anyway, shall we announce a few actual yes, names of experts coming on the show? So we have a former guest, Professor Tim Spector and his team actually coming along they're going to talk about gut health and diet we've got i'm going to call her the government's women's health czar dame well, that's what she is. regan coming along of well-being of women we've got the facialist abigail james coming along we've got so many experts it's you really are going to be able to ask mm-hmm. all the questions you want answered we've also got and i think you're going to find this useful mm. trish julia samuels who is the therapist who's written those lovely books and she specializes in grief and living loss and i know that's something we all talk about uh, at this stage of life but it's been a bit pertinent to you this week hasn't it yes yeah I've been struggling I'm I'm not afraid to say I'm not ashamed to say so all this emptiness business twins off to university first four weeks of been fine you know just adjusting getting used to it being out and about you said to me I don't know what the fuss is all about I'm having a whale of a time didn't you (laughs) literally yesterday morning I was overwhelmed with this awful 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 pain in my chest and this feeling of incredible emptiness and loss and I knew I just burst into tears actually I I, it was so strong and I was just visualizing the children and trying to think about them and I realized it was just just missing them It's, it's a loss I have to say Good news, though, maybe the higher powers are out there because I did go and pop by and see Esme last week, as you know, only because I was passing where she is. So got a little Esme fix. But then Kit did a FaceTime with me last night and we had half an hour FaceTime and he told me he loved me. So did all is he? well. Yeah, I needed oh. that. I really needed that, I have to say. Um, but yeah, it's a really painful part of the parenting journey, isn't it? The empty nest, um, the ultimate separation. But we're going to have some parenting experts uh, along yeah. to the show, including Dr. Gory Seth, who we talked about recently um, on this podcast. And uh, I have to say, you've still got teens in the house. So yes. you know, I'm missing, I am missing Greg's packets lying around the house, the crisp packets, all of that. Give me some teen shenanigan updates, please. Wow. One of mine's had another piercing. Piercing? Which, yeah, another piercing. It's an absolute obsession, girl teens. Right, okay. I don't D- know how dare they... Dare I ask where? Dare I ask where? Well, I don't know how she fitted it in top of her ear. Oh, it's another ear one, yeah. It's another ear one. They can raise their pain threshold for the piercings. Yes. If you accidentally bump into them or something like that, <laughs> they have to lie on the floor wailing for half an hour. Uh-huh. Anyway, and my son... 
He's not loving me, Trish. Oh, like your dear. Son what have you at done to him? He's not speaking to me because I agreed to a school geography trip during half term. Right. <laughs> he said he didn't mind the geography, but he told me the food was dead munch. <laughs> That. Dead munch. Good one. Dead munch. Keep that one for TikTok. Yeah, good <laughs> phrase. But talking of dead things, da, 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 I think that is possibly the most tenuous podcast link yet, oh I have to say. But we're going to be talking Halloween, aren't we? And all things spooky in this episode when you <laughs> and I jibber jabber about ghostly goings on. That's a very good audio link. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we are not podcast amateurs. Take that, Fee and Jane, my rivals, <laughs> my nemesis. <laughs> um, we are the kind of show that can go from a mayor to a magazine editor via a YouTuber. So this week, we're going to get very unusual with our guest. We've got celebrated psychic June Field coming Ooh. on the show. Now, I think you might like June mm. because, um, well, she's got a lovely Scottish accent, very warm manner. I had a chat with her and I just felt like I was being hugged by her Ooh, down the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, she might be able to tell us what's going on in uh, that tricky feline's mind. <laughs> Margo. Margo, I, th- I would say there are hidden depths to I that doubt it. teeny tiny doubt little it. brain in her skull, I'm telling you. Should we get the party started? Yep. Here we are, jibber jabber. Now Trish, it's almost Hallow's Eve. Mm. Halloween, as it's known. Yes. Spookiest day of the year, my pale, ghostly face... <laughs> companion (laughs) and because we're fans of a random news peg we are going to be chatting all things spiritual and spooky today for jibber jabber aren't we Yes. Uh, don't you like my new tinted moisturiser? Is it making me look a bit pale? More see-through than usual. <laughs> More see-through. My Celtic blue is yes. uh, yeah, a bit see-through. But yes, we're going to be looking at the spirits and the spiritual, covering all bases, as it were. I'm going to be talking about bringing a little bit more spirituality into your day um, with a course that I've been doing that I've signed up for. And um, you're going to be chatting a little bit about the paranormal and the psychic, aren't you? I am indeed. It keeps coming up in conversations mm. all around me. We talked about this, didn't we? People are talking mm. about it. So we thought, well, we should talk about it on the show. And you may ask me what I'm going to be talking about during my Halloween chit chat. So apparently, in my research, there has been a 136% increase in people going for supernatural readings since the pandemic, according to Forbes in uh, the United States. And apparently 41% of Americans now believe, they didn't survey the Brits, in psychics. So mm. it is quite a big thing. Now, you might think I've gone a bit Doris Stokes. Do you remember her, Trish? <laughs> Doris! Yes! That's a, a noodle. Flaky TV medium from yeah. the 1980s. God rest her soul, no longer with us. But let's start with a bit of science because it is pertinent to midlife. We haven't just plucked this randomly to talk about. There is a book by Jonathan Rausch. I don't quite know how to say his surname. Anyway, it's called The Happiness Curve, Why Life Gets Better After Midlife. And it's packed with research and scientific studies which show that in your 50s, people generally become more spiritual or spiritually curious, Uh, mostly women, actually, the research shows. So I've been thinking a little bit about it more in my life now because I'm almost halfway through my 50s. And you, Trish, have actually Mm. taken action. (laughs) You've done something logical and specific. Tell me, because I'm really fascinated by this course. Well, this is good because this is is all sparked by when I talked to Donna Lancaster, who's a coach and therapist. Regular listeners might remember a few episodes ago, we talked about emotional healing. She has this great book called The Bridge, A Nine-Step Crossing into Authentic and Wholehearted living and one of the big big things is about about being in midlife is that you sort of move from the ego-led part of your life which is the first half of your life into the spirit-led life okay so all that That's sort of outside same, stuff it? it's the same thing the research all that yeah. outside stuff doesn't really matter anymore your house your car whatever it's more about how you feel about life what you can give back what kind of person you can be in the world etc etc this really resonated with me and donna runs a course called deepening into life which she calls an online gym for the soul so it's a little workout for soul which i really really liked because i felt yes there is this sort of piece missing for me this kind of spirituality or just having something spiritual in my life so i've been doing this course it runs over six months you do one zoom session first sunday of every month and there's a different topic each session so we've done 
prayer we've done forgiveness we're going to be doing joy and gratitude and then you're sort of you're you have to pray every day but pray doesn't mean praying to god praying can mean praying to god if if you believe in god but it can mean just praying to a higher being a higher conscious intention an intention and you start and end your day like that or you have to do it a couple of times a day and my do you do it out loud it's really powerful i do it in my head you can do it whatever way you want to do it really there's no set way you know even doing exercise can be a prayer if you do it mindfully and you think about what it's doing for you and what it's giving out and but i've been doing little prayers before i get up in the morning and before i go to sleep at night i've been using scent to kind of set center me and help my breathe and focus my thoughts kick off that memory in your brain yeah exactly I've been using this new the new balance being sent by balance me which is really lovely the skincare brand and it just helps to send to me and it's help thanks wow so you say what you're thankful for what you need help with and what has been wow about your day or what is wow about the world so you can't help but be positive about what is going to happen in your day and you learn more about compassion um all of these kind of things and i just i just absolutely it has made you quite happy i would say it's made you slightly calmer as well yes i mean i think i'm a generally calm person prone to outbursts of anxiety and fizziness (laughs) and stress Like the rest of us. I just feel, you know, we keep talking about midlife being this time to live with joy. That is, apart from my little sadness, obviously, about the twins going. That's fine. You can be happy and sad. Yeah. But I think what's really important about it is that you have to do sort of quiet contemplation and reflection because it's about connecting to yourself because if you want to connect to a higher power you have to be able to connect with yourself first and i just yeah. think that is you know a lot most religions ask you to be contemplative and reflective but as i say this isn't about religion it can be about religion but it's just finding that you i know, like it in you you like it it's good for me i, I like, like you it. doing a workout for your Thank soul you. well but what about you because you've <laughs> been you've been dabbling I've gone a the bit. other way i've dabbled, <laughs> I've dabbled. Uh, in the book the happiness curve what Rausch identifies is this u curve and in midlife you meet you go to the bottom of the curve basically we know mm-hmm. about that the unraveling as we've called it but as you come out of the curve there is a joyous upswing people are happier um, and we start to look for different ways of guiding our lives so we're slightly more open to things that we may have discounted before now you know i'm quite a skeptic when it comes to the woo woo mm-hmm. yes, <laughs> i would say are. i am not tilted Uh, generally in a spiritual direction but i have been drawn to a few more out there ideas so i thought i would explore it i mean i'm still no to crystals and all that malarkey but i do believe in energy connections Mm -hmm. and the interconnectedness of us all really and also how the past which it does come through in in therapy and is recognized from a psychological point of view does affect our future and i mean the past before us not just the past we have lived i have discovered two midlife women that i've been doing a bit of okay investigating what okay. i think you would call it um sonia chouquette mm-hmm. and laura lynn jackson now both of these women are about reading the signs the universe gives us and really about intuition which you know we often ignore now laura lynn you will like her she's 49 she's a former teacher describes herself as a psychic medium from childhood she's a new york times bestseller as well mm-hmm. and she has been studied by something called the windridge research center so what they do is study her brain when she goes into meditative states mm-hmm. um she does private readings but she does lots of podcasts she writes lots of books she goes into companies and helps them read the signs the universe gives her now in her book um signs she's written the light between us and signs she talks about the team of light from the other side who show us signs now okay i don't know how i feel about dead people (laughs) talking to us but i am quite keen on just dropping that bit of the brain that just constantly looks for the logic yes and thinking are these things around us if if you see something three times if you you know are these things let's be more open to looking at what's going on around us because that might be the brain working as well i'm still not sure whether it's signs from the other side now the book is full of amazing signs so you you can ask your team of light these are your spirit guides yes. looking after you team of light you three here on my little podcast are my living team of light oh. you two. um so you can ask for signs so in the book she describes a person who asks for a random sign from the team of light can you show me a purple elephant <laughs> okay okay random but lady is driving massive sign for a new restaurant opening 
Oh, big purple elephant. Big purple elephant. The, yeah. So well, she, she has... may have seen maybe two days before in her subconscious, and it's there and something. But it doesn't matter, does it? Well, it, it's also your brain looking at, yeah. you know, making it can make decisions at such light speed we don't even know. Mm. It's taking in so much information, and we're just sometimes because we're using the wrong side of it or the wrong bit of it, we just shut all that information down because we it doesn't make sense to us in mm -hmm. our logical world. Or it could be the the team of light. Anyway, the, the research on her does show she goes into a completely different place, a really different meditative mm -hmm. state neurologically. I do the book is good. It's heartwarming, I think. Um, okay. And I was quite persuaded by it by the end of it. And I listened to her, Don't Let This Put You Off, on the Goop Summit <laughs> podcast. <laughs> and she's actually really sensible. Yeah. You know, the only problem with these kind of things is when women like this are interviewed, they are interviewed by believers. Yes. Or they are interviewed by massive skeptics. So you never really get an in-between. You get someone who just wants to say, absolutely can't possibly happen. Yes. And then you get a team of people saying, that's amazing. I completely believe well, you. Well, that's going to be interesting <laughs> when June comes on shortly, yes, isn't it? it? Will. And how that goes with us. Because exactly. we're both a bit in-betweeny. In and Sonia Shuket is, is really interesting interesting she calls herself a dynamic spiritual leader she's in her 60s she's from a fascinating background her mum was deaf mm -hmm. so her mum was Romanian um, and had, had come uh, to America and had a, had had a really hard life but her mum learnt to read people via the energy they were giving off because she couldn't hear them okay. so as a child Sonia just assumed everyone worked like that they could all read the energy they could sense immediately when things were wrong because they could feel the energy people were giving off and that came up in that book that I mentioned last week, that transference of energy, it's a thing. It's a recognised yes. thing scientifically. So I've been fascinated listening to her on podcasts yeah. because it, her book, Trust Your Vibes, and she was on uh, Fern Cotton's Happy Place podcast, does really make sense. You know, all those things around your that sixth sense that we have, that you have yes. an intuition because your mind is making lots of decisions all the time. And also that your subconscious mind is making lots of decisions. So I was that is fascinating. Mm. And I think I would advise people to listen to that. It talks about subconscious and the roles dreams play in our life, what yeah. our mind is telling us as well. So I think those two women felt they were quite sensible in what they were saying. Yeah, yeah there's a lot, of, a lot of people in, in this sort of area doing mm. things. Obviously, there's Oprah's Super Soul podcast as well, yep. which I think is worth exploring. And um, a writer uh, called Anne Lamott, and she actually wrote yep. a book called Help Thanks Well about praying. So I think that's probably worth exploring as well. well. Yeah. I mean, what I did learn when I listened to the Skeptic podcast mm. is that actually, if you believe in a religion... You're being asked to believe in some pretty mm -hmm. fantastical things. Mm -hmm. And we don't mock religion in the same way we mock someone using, helping you use your sixth sense, helping yes. you use a bit of the brain that you don't normally yeah. use, opening you up to being more curious, looking at energy instead of something physical. I mean, I don't believe in God, but you, you grew up as Catholic. Well, I did, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I think probably a lot of uh, midlife Gen X women will have grown yeah. up, um, you know, with religion as a, as a part of their life um, and then maybe drifted away from it. Obviously, there, are, there will be listeners on this podcast where religion is still a very important part of their lives. I mean, I was born and raised Catholic, but I drifted away from it um, for a number of reasons. You tend to do that when you're a teenager. Yeah. But one of which was I just felt it didn't help me understand myself or my place in the world. And I do think I believe in a higher power, but that's not necessarily God. It could, for me, it's like the power of life, the power of the universe, the power of mother nature. And um, I think you want to feel connected, right? But you can't, if you don't know yourself, um, how, if you can't connect to yourself, how can you connect to a higher power or this idea of kind of oneness? Um, and I think that's what this deepening into life is about, because you do a lot of kind of soul searching and questioning about yourself so that you can then, yeah. you know, go out and, you know, through personal inquiry, find a kind of, you know, deeper spiritual development yeah. tool. There's a lot to explore and a lot I to discover, so. isn't there? Yeah. I um, was listening to the scientist and naturalist Jane Goodall on uh, yes. Elizabeth today's podcast she's an amazing woman in her late 80s now she's quite a big skeptic of anything that cannot mm -hmm. be explained because that's her life's work she's that's science. her body of yes. work yeah, yeah she spends a lot of time with scientists and she was saying that her second husband uh, shortly after he died had come back to her to talk to her and she said it was an incredibly real mm. experience but she knew she wasn't in this world she knew she was in another world and she started to talk to scientists around her 
thinking it must have been some kind of deeper subconscious response that you know it's an altered state but she said there's a lot of thinking about this other plane now mm -hmm. in the science world I, you know it's worth listening to her on the podcast because she said it was an absolutely inexplicable experience and she yeah. really tried to rationalize it and she she couldn't she was talking to scientists about it and they were saying we're doing quite a lot of research into it and it kind of goes back to this kind of I guess you'd call it this collective unconsciousness that links us all, perhaps, mm. as well, mm -hmm. um, that we're born into this kind of group identity of things. And it is part of our subconscious, and we must all be linked in some way. We can't just be. Now, I talked to my husband about all of this. Yes. And what did he have, Mr. Candy, well, have to say? I know how he feels about all of this. <laughs> he says it's... Uh, Neil calls it woo-woo. The two C's. Oh, no, what's that? He says it's coincidence. Oh, yes. Or common sense. Oh. <laughs> Very rational. Is it left yes. brain, right brain, whatever it is, logical. It's got no truck with Black it. Black and white. Says that's absolutely no. Well, can you explain this? Go on. As I was coming in to sit down and record this, and I was thinking about higher power and all of that, guess what song came on the radio? Don't tell me. I don't know. <laughs> Something to do with Wham, because that's our no, Linkin Love Higher song. Power by Coldplay. Stop it. No, Stop I am it. not joking. That is a fact. Radio 2, two minutes ago. Now, you could explain that with your brain. Yeah. Making a million, million decisions and then being a sort of time lag between the thinking on yeah. that hearing higher power before, you know. Yeah. Time travel might be possible. That's the other yes. explanation, Trish. <laughs> It's not a new song in the hit parade, is it? It's an old song no, from years Trish, back, but no, that was suddenly right. played. Anyway. As, so there we go. There this, we go. We will explore I quite think, a bit of this, won't we, when I, June comes on? We're ready for June. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Our guest today is a little different from those we normally chat to on this podcast. But as you know, Trish and I like to stay curious in midlife and bring all sorts of intriguing women into your world. So today we are welcoming June Field to the show. June is quite literally the world's greatest psychic. We know this because she beat 70,000 other psychic mediums to the title in a supernatural reality program in 2013. Think X Factor for the spirit world. June, 61, works with A-listers, politicians and members of the royal family here and in the US. Her famous clients include Hollywood's Laura Dern and her mum, Diane Ladd, Kate Garraway, Toya Wilcox, Jane MacDonald and Judy Murray, to name but a few. And June also uses her psychic and healing skills to work with the police and charities. June, who lives in Dundee, Scotland, has had her intuitive powers from childhood. She says, imagine we are all TVs with the same number of channels, except not every channel is tuned in. Well, mine are. We'll be finding out how June works, what her spirit world is all about, and whether midlife is a time when we could become more tuned in to that intuitive side, which June says we all possess in one form or another. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife, June. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. We're going to start by asking some basic questions, explanation for our listeners. So can you tell me the difference between a psychic and a medium and also clairvoyant, clairaudient, clairsentient? What is the difference between that and what do you do when you do readings? Oh. I'm a psychic medium. I am clairaudient, clairsentient and clairvoyant, which means I see, I feel 
and I hear. But you can be a psychic, but you don't have to be a medium. You have to be psychic to be mediumistic. You understand that? Because what happens when you're psychic? You read the records and you go into an energy and you tap into that energy. When you're mediumistic, you go a step further and you connect with the etheric field but you have to first be psychic to get into the psychic energy first and then you can link as a medium in the etheric field so medium means in between doesn't it it's like you, yes you described a it medium, before. yeah medium is um you know i heighten my vibration spirit lower theirs and we meet in the middle hence the name medium and what do you do during a reading then? So you're a psychic medium. What 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 are you reading, as it were? Because you've, you've mentioned energy and ethereal and different planes. Explain what you're reading. If you think of me as, I say, like a TV channel or even like a mobile phone, it all deals with energy. It deals with signals. And so whenever you speak or whenever I'm um, close to you or in your energy, these are all signals. And I pick up these signals just like an antenna and I get a feel for them. And I just get a feeling whenever I hear your voice and I can get a feeling from even receiving a text or even a phone ringing because they're all signals. They're all vibrations in some way. Can I just remind people what happened when I rang you in preparation to this? I'm a bit of a sceptic. I said I had a long chat with June about coming on the show and I said, let's talk about dates. Went to my computer, pulled up my massive spreadsheet of gobbledygook. And before I said anything, June said to me, what about Thursday, October the 20th? Which was the date we had in, which was quite spooky, wasn't it? (laughs) Well, welcome to my world. Can we talk about where it all began for you and um, when you realised you had this ability and this power? And also really fascinating that I'm assuming back then there wouldn't have been texts, there wouldn't have been, um, you know, so so the transition then through different forms of technology as well. But where did it all begin for you? I was born like this. This is something that I'm used to. I don't know any other life or any other way. I have nothing to compare it to because I've always been this way. And so phones were were available. I mean, I wasn't born in the 16th century. (laughs) It started just when I was a young child. I used to see people at night. And I did say to my parents, there are people in here. And they would just say, smile at them and they'll smile back. They didn't smile back, but they weren't looking nastily at me either. They would just watch me as I slept. And they were there every night, every single night without fail. And my sister and I slept in bunk beds. And I was on the top because I was the youngest and they would be towering above me. But when you're young, you just think, okay, they're just standing there. But when I think back, they must have been over eight foot tall (laughs) to be towering above a bunk bed. (laughs) What were they doing there? Just watching. They were just watching me. I was obviously able to tune in to the signal to receive them. There are people around every one of us, not None of us are alone. It's just that sometimes if you're in the right place at the right time, for some people, you'll receive a signal. But we're never by ourselves. There's always energy. It's a bit like parallel universes, you know? Mm. There's always something going on around us. And so I was just obviously always tuned in to receive them. We're in midlife, me and Trish. She's a bit more in it because she's a bit older. (laughs) 12 months. 12 (laughs) months more, (laughs) yeah. Was doing research and there was there've been some big headlines recently, midlife women turning to mediums during lockdown. And and this was a story about women over forty and obviously have lost people um to COVID, so it would make sense. But midlife is a time when we do lose people around us and we might be becoming a bit more spiritual. Do you see a lot of midlife women for readings? Is it is it in a stage of life when people do turn to the more spiritual side? Yes, I do do see a lot of midlife women. But it's not all midlife women. People in midlife have major changes when they get to midlife. And I'm not just talking about the hormonal ones. I'm talking about they lose members of their family. 
elders, parents, they could lose a brother, a sister, and it's more likely to have someone die when you're a bit older. Also, there's change in their life when their kids grow up, that they've put their life on hold to, to see to, and then it's the empty nest syndrome, what do I do now? And then it is also a lot to do with if they lose someone like their husband and their whole life totally falls apart and they find themselves, instead of being supported by a partner, that they're on their own and what what do I do now? Are they asking you to contact people or, or are they coming to you really for midlife advice? A bit of both, mostly to contact loved ones or to just be assured and confirmation that life does go on and a little bit of direction also going forward. Maybe with thinking about grief in particular, because obviously a lot of people, if they are trying to reach loved ones, they're going through a grieving process. How does it help? I feel that my job is to take someone who is grieving and to give them an insight and unrefutable evidence that their loved ones do exist not just by generalising, but describing their personalities. I feel that during a reading, I like to try and bring someone to life with their mannerisms, their sense of humour, their personality, what they would say, their special piece of music, the way that they would sit, if they would sit with their feet up or their legs crossed, or if they had a, a mad laugh that or if they had a personality where you would think, oh my gosh, please don't say that in front of people. I do try to bring them to life so that I can capture the essence of the individual and feed it back to someone so that they can be in no doubt at all that I'm actually linking with their loved one. And can you do that for everyone or are there kind of blockages and certain people it, it doesn't work for? If you think of me again, I keep going back to this energy Okay. Thing. If you think of me like a mobile phone, it depends what network you're on and it depends what signal you get. Yes, you can do that for everyone, but to different degrees. Some people get a really strong signal and other people just get a signal, but you can still prove unrefutably that people are around them. Do you see the people or do you hear voices? Again, about the signal. If it's a good signal, I can see them as clear as you and I can hear them and I can feel them. If, and it also depends on whether they were pushy, whether they were shy, whether they didn't like to share, because personalities don't change when you go to the other side of life. You're still the same character. So if you weren't somebody that washed their dirty linen in public and told everyone everything, you know, it's different. You know, they won't be pushing forward into your energy and going, hey, it's me. Sometimes you get impatient people that I don't even get to really link with the person and I'll have to say, I'm sorry, but I've got to bring this lady in because she's the most impatient person that I've ever come across. And they go, oh my gosh, I know who that is. So it is all about personalities. It's also about how someone passes. I usually find that if it's a tragic passing, that they take a little bit longer to settle on spirit side. But it is about factoring about characters, individuality and signals. Trish, you better hope I don't go before you then, because be, I'll be all over you. <laughs> now, now we, um, we are here to talk about midlife. We always talk about uh, this stage of women's lives. So you are, I think you're 61, aren't you now? Oh, you've been very kind. I'm 62. Okay, right. Well, so talk to us, though, about your midlife journey. What happened when you were in your late 40s through to, I guess, post-menopause, post-hormones? How was that part of life for you? That was actually a good part for me. I didn't really have that much bother, neither did my mum. We kind of sailed through that, that I think everything just stopped and within about maybe six months, I had done the transition, to be honest. I think that I was at my fittest when I was probably about 44, 45. The only thing that changed for me was that I started to slow down a bit physically. But as far as, you know, being hormonally challenged or or out there or having flushes and things. I was one of the lucky ones that actually kind of escaped that. And did your powers become different in midlife? Did you, because you get older and wiser, did it affect the way your readings happened? I don't think it's anything to do with the midlife. I think that it's to do with just getting older because you grow more experienced. You have 
um, more of life's essence, so to speak. You're better experienced in the walk of life and you can therefore help people with many different issues that a young person can't because they haven't walked in their shoes. You think you understand when it hasn't, but nobody really understands about loss or how bad it could be until it actually happens to them. We know from your website you have sellout shows, you do live shows, and you've got a raft of very high-profile clients that you work with. How, how do people seek you out? And without obviously getting specific about any names, maybe you could share one particular story with us of someone's experience anonymously. It's usually through word of mouth. Someone will speak to someone and someone will speak to someone else and go, oh gosh, you have to get in touch with with this person. I also do do a lot of healings for people. You know, I've dealt with members of the royal family. I was sought out and contacted by someone and taken over and doing healings for people. And celebrities, one will contact the other. It's, It's an intricate network that everyone knows everyone in that field there is one that you can i can use as an example would be a friend of mine a very good friend of mine um, whose apartment i have to be sitting in right now he got in touch with me because a good friend of his was very ill and would i do some healing and that's how i met linda lasardi her husband then contacted me and then i met her and then through Linda, I've met other people, and and then it goes on from there. It's just word of mouth. What do you mean by healing, June? So do you give me some examples. What is that like physical healing or emotional healing? How does that work? I'm what you would call an energy shifter. If someone's energy becomes a bit stagnant or they're unwell, I give it a push. I get into their energy field because again, we're talking about energies. Energies, signals, networks, it's all again about being aware of someone's life force or energy. And usually if somebody's just a bit unwell or under the weather, if you give their energy a little bit of a push, a bit like pushing a big tire, the momentum of the body kicks in and it heals itself. You do it a few times. But if somebody is terminally ill, you have to keep doing it every day to just keep things moving because it would want to stop and slow down. I did healing for a gentleman called Bill Rieflin who passed away just over a year ago. Um, And I met him through Toya Wilcox. I'm not sharing any secrets. It's on Toya's website. He was a musician, Bill, wasn't he? Yes, he was the drummer in R.E.M. He was also in King Crimson. She asked if I would do some healing for him. And I sat with him every day for three years at five o'clock, irrespective of whether I was in the dressing room or he was in the dressing room or where we were in the world. And I went over to Seattle to work with him while he was having chemo. But He was told that he would have about six months to live and he lasted three years and went on two world tours with King Crimson. So it's just about keeping an energy going. Mm -hmm. Um, Everyone's different. People react to things differently, but it's just, again, about energies. That's what the whole thing's about. Is it ever frightening? Because obviously people think, oh, psychics, mediums, ghosts, it's spooky. There's so many films out there. But is it ever frightening? Remember... I don't have anything to compare it to. This, this, is, this is who I am. I was born like this. But if I was normal, in inverted commas, normal, and then this suddenly happened to me, it might be, but I don't know anything any different. But there have been a few places that I have been that I've felt very uncomfortable in, and there's been a few things happened where I won't ever go back to, because there are good and bad in this world as there is in the next. Um, but I don't tend to dabble in that side. Have you ever met someone where you've walked in and thought, I'm just, this is no good, I can't deal with this energy, it's it's too upsetting? Because it's bound to affect you, isn't it, as a person, I think? Of course it is. You can feel whether you like someone or whether you don't instantly or just by looking at someone. We all have that. I'm sure that you've met people in your life and for no apparent reason you've thought, oh... I don't really like you or, or there's something about you or the other way around thinking, my goodness, I can take to you. And it's the same for me, but just a little bit more. I'm a little bit more tuned in. And yes, there are some people that I've had maybe about five in my whole career that I've said, I'm sorry, but I won't be entering your energy. And do we have it in us then if we wanted to maybe expand our sixth sense, be a bit more intuitive? 
I was just telling Trish that I always know when someone's pregnant because I'm obsessed with babies. I'm just, my <laughs> little voice says she's pregnant to me every time. It's very good. How could we as women open up a bit more to those things? Well, anyone can tune in and be in touch with what's around them. It's just a matter of listening to that little voice. And sometimes you have to quieten the mind. The conscious mind is also known as the chattering monkey because it never shuts up. And the minute someone goes, I'm going to meditate, and they sit down, something will come in like, my God, did I lock the back door? Did I put the dog out? Did I, you know, all of these things, these factor in. And the biggest mistake I think in my experience that people make is that they'll buy a meditation CD or they'll go on to... I speak to someone and someone will go, gosh, you need to listen to this. This is great. This did it really for me and quietened me down. But what you're actually doing is you're trying to use someone else's key to open your door. If you find yourself sound off of YouTube, just a sound, whether it be rain battering down, whales, thunder and lightning, the ocean, birds, I don't care what it is, not music a sound and something that would resonate just specifically with you and just sit within that sound for about 35, 40 minutes, a few times a week, just concentrating on feeling safe within the sound that you've chosen. Nothing else, no questions. That quietens the mind and allows you to receive. So if um, one of our listeners wants to go and see a medium for the first time, they've never done it before. What what advice would you have on finding the right person? Because we can imagine there's probably, you know, good and bad as in every profession, there's probably the genuine and then the not so genuine. What questions should they be asking to make sure? Unfortunately, there are a lot of people out there that, you know, I, I have the instance where maybe someone will copy my Instagram or Facebook page and put messages out and things and it's it's not good but what to do is when you're looking for a psychic medium or a good reputable psychic always go to what other people reputable people have said about them and not what they have said about themselves Mm -hmm. because anyone can put up there wow I've done this I've done that always do your research and look for someone that has interacted with people and also maybe been on the media or done something so that you know that they are real. Which brings me to your title. You did get a trophy, didn't you? You are the 2013, this happened, the world's greatest psychic. So this was a tele- a series, actually, wasn't it, on television in Ukraine? I think Yuri Geller was one of the judges. And you had to compete with many, many psychics from around the world, and you had to do various tasks, didn't you? Explain to our listeners how it worked, because you were so accurate, weren't you? That that's, that's why you won, because you were overwhelmingly accurate. What sort of things did you have to do? Well, it was um, 70,000 psychics worldwide, and I was invited to take part, and I flew over to Kiev to take part, and it was from a TV show, um, international Battle of the Psychics, Beat for Extra Sense was what it was called. And they whittled it down. And the first thing I had to do was to look at a photograph during casting. And I had to see who was dead and who was alive on this photo. And there was maybe about five people on it. And um, photos are something that I also do. And I looked at the photograph and I said, well, this person's alive, but they have major stomach problems. And this person's alive and they're left-handed. And this per- and it happened to be the producer's family. And she went, <laughs> oh, my God. So they took me and they put me in the programme. And during the programme, it's a bit like X Factor. You know, there's the good psychic of the week and the bad psychic of the week. And if you're not so good, you get voted off. But if you're good, you know, you win psychic of the week. We had to do a series of tasks and I was one of them that had never failed a task in the series of the show. And Uri Geller was one of the judges. And I think one of the most accurate things that happened in that competition for me was that this was when there was probably about five of us left in the competition and we had to hold on to a chain or an object that held to a a murdered girl and I described the tattoo on the murderer's shoulder, the scar on his hand, the colour of his car, the number of plate. Again, I must have been on the right network. And he hadn't been caught, but he was caught nine months later after I'd won the competition. 
And um, he did have the tattoo on his shoulder and the scar on his hand and it hit BBC News. And he said that I was 99.9% accurate with his description. It's interesting, isn't it, how you can be so specific? I think that's that, the... that, that show can actually be seen on my website that mm. when I'm describing the murderer mm. and then the next year he was caught. Have but you done any time. work like that here in the UK with the police? I've done, or... Yeah, I have done bits and pieces here. It's not so widely accepted here, but I sometimes hold on to an object. I give what I get from it and then I just give it back and I, I don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I have been contacted here quite a few times. And when you went to Ukraine to do that, you'd had quite a loss in your own life, hadn't you? Would just after that, you lost your mum and your husband, hadn't you? Yes, my husband passed first and then I lost my horse and then I lost my dog and then I lost my mum and then I lost my cat and um, then I just a few months after that I was invited to go to Ukraine and I have to say girls it's probably the hardest thing that I've ever done in my life because my son was only 18 when I went away and he hadn't been on his own there's no other family here and so I went away and think you didn't know how long you were going to be there. I could have been voted off. You didn't know what you were working up against. I ended up being there for seven months and getting home twice and um, had to buy a new washing machine and things like that because he would leave his washing in it for like six days and things. Yeah. But, <laughs> we can all predict but, that with teenagers, can't we? I mean, that's... <laughs> we can, yes. But it was definitely an eye-opener. It was very difficult. I had an apartment... And I stayed in the apartment myself. I didn't speak the language and I just uh, got myself on the tube and the metro to um, shoots. And they, you know, supported me throughout the show. We used to sit in on a Sunday night. It would be on after X Factor, funnily enough. (laughs) And she used to translate, you know, what was being said, because obviously it would be dubbed over in, in Ukrainian. But it was very difficult for me. But I have to say that... Those on spirit side who have been with me all of my life, they they really didn't let me down because um, sometimes you would be doing filming and shooting for about 22 hours and they would kind of keep me to the end because somebody would want a reading from me. And so you were exhausted and, and they didn't let me down. And it just, it made me very strong. It didn't make me feel as if I was totally on my own, although I was in a strange country. And do you talk to your husband who passed? Uh, no, I don't. I don't get all my relatives around a coffee table and, and mm. interact with them. It, it doesn't really work like that for any psychics or mediums. We don't really get our own. But I do remember that after he passed, I had to do an event. I'd already sold um, tickets for an event and it was the next month. And you can't just cancel something when there are hundreds of people waiting to see you. So I remember standing on the stage and talking to people and I turned to the side because there were a few friends in the wings and my son was there and I saw my husband standing behind him. And he was just looking. He wasn't smiling, he wasn't sad. But I turned and I said to my son, and dad's okay. And I turned away and I had to then continue. I didn't linger because then I would have lost it. <laughs> so I just, but I did see him clear as anything. Signal was good that night. And what does your son make of your psychic abilities? Does he have any? He's a very sensitive individual. He's 30 years old. He doesn't want to do this. He's studying Japanese to be interpreter, etc. And is, is very good at it. He doesn't want to do any of this. Yes, he does have it. Um, he is a very laid back individual. He's just like his dad, who would be extremely laid back. There's been many people in my house, um, celebrity wise. I remember him fighting to get into the dishwasher from Toya because she's the size of nothing. And my son's six foot two. You know, he's, he's met many people and he just takes it totally in his stride. And people will say, oh, Your mum. And you say, She's just my mum. There's no ego in our house, put it that way. There's no, there's no room for any of that. <laughs> and did you have a, a job? Were you in a profession, June, before you were doing this? I presume you do this full-time, you, talk, you do readings yes, full-time. Yes, I've been doing this full-time for an awful long time, 20-odd mm. years. But I've always been musical. I did singing, I taught music, played the piano, was in brass bands. I still do that. Not to the extent as I did before. I think I play a bit like Des, Les Dawson now. But uh, I still, I still <laughs> oh, like Les to dabble. Dawson. 
Yes. Are you less frightened or fearful? I mean, I've got a terrible death maths melancholy, so I'm always drawn to the sad side of <laughs> I'm going tomorrow. But how does having this skill and talking about this a lot affect your thoughts on, on death and dying yourself? I'm actually not afraid of death at all because every time I link with someone and I bring forward whether it be their parents or their brother, their sister, their loved one, their partner, it validates it for me every time. But I'll tell you, I'm a bit dubious on how I die. That's uh, because there are many people that, that die in different ways. And I believe that we it's a battle. We fight to get into this world and then we fight to get out of it. And I'm a little bit dubious on how I die, but I'm not afraid of death. Are you able to see the future for people? Because that's another thing that I think, is it, is it a misconception with, with psychic that you can see what's going to happen? Or is it yes. messages that it, might... Again, it depends what network you're on. Sometimes yeah, you get right. really clearly. There's, there's many different people that come to see me, not all for loss. A lot of them come because of direction or... You know, I have a very good friend who's my accountant and I'll say to him sometimes, well, well, that's not going to work. And you'll go, oh, really? Is it not? Well, I won't do it. Because I remember there was a deal going through for him and it fell through and he needed X amount of thousands to buy this other business by the next day. And I said to him, it'll be okay. It's going to be fine. And he went, how the heck can it be fine? I've got till five o'clock tomorrow. This has just fallen through. And I said, but I just know it's going to be fine. And he went, well, Junior says, you've never been wrong. And I'm just thinking, well, this is a really biggie and you've got this totally wrong. He was actually due to get his hair cut by a good friend, a hairdresser. She came in to see him and she says, you're a bit down. He went, oh, this deal's fallen through. I've got fine like 35,000 or something by tomorrow night at five o'clock and it's just all fallen through. She says, I've just sold my house. The money's sitting in there. I haven't bought anything yet. She says, I could give you the money um, to do you through. <laughs> and so you got the money. It's things like that. And I've dealt with politicians or, you know, Varun Gandhi's flown over to see me from India and he wasn't looking for connections with spirit. He was looking for direction on going forward. So it's again about a vibration tapping into that vibration and following it on. Has there been a case that's been utterly heartwarming for you that you think, thank God I have this skill, that's that's just the most wonderful thing to have happened? You know, I'm very lucky that there have been, there have been many um, where people have come to me very distraught and looking for confirmation and validation that people do survive and I have interacted with many. I can't pinpoint one, mm. but it is heartwarming to actually see someone change because they're grief-stricken and they're sad to smile and laugh and to just know that that was their loved one interacting because of their personality and their idiosyncrasies, their character, and sometimes what marks they have on their body or, or you know, what was put in the coffin with them. These are, are things that that makes me happy to see someone walk out totally different than when they walked in. Have the scientists ever tried to get their hands on you and why are you up to things and try and see if there's any science behind it? Well, there is science behind it because I know that there are people that would say, OK, we'll give you a million dollars to prove you know, there is life after death. But then there's also someone that says that they would give them a million dollars to prove that there isn't life after death. And scientifically, they say that the weight of the human soul is about five grams because they've actually done tests where someone at 20 stones been dying or even a child has been dying and the minute of death, the body loses five grams. Many, many people have had interactions when someone's passing or someone's died, whether it be palliative care nurses or whether it be just relatives. They've had their own experiences. Can I ask you about pets? Do they go too to the to the other side? Of course they do because they're they're a, an energy, they're a vibration, and people ask me about pets a lot of the time. You would think, do they come to us? Of course they come to you because you'll have had them as babies. Mm. They're, they're all you know, and pets are very loyal. And 
you can tune into a vibration for a pet. And the best thing is if you're at your most relaxed state, I've had people say to me, I've got up in the night to go to the bathroom and nearly tripped over my Labrador dog or whatever has been there. And it's not been there or people have felt their cat walk onto the bed and sit down. And so when you're relaxed, that's why people get more interactions at night. It's not to do with the dark. It's nothing to do with because it's because you're in your most relaxed state. I actually took a video in my home of orbs that I have a, an Oriental Siamese cat and I'd lost an Oriental Siamese cat. And my cat, I've got a video of him sitting watching this orb. I screenshotted the orb and I blew it up and it was my other cat's face. I still have that. I'll send oh, it to you. I'll oh. let you see, Trish, then when yes. so. Margot, the podcast <laughs> cat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we will be able to we'll be we able, able to, to communicate you'll now never escape from you're Margaret. never going to escape i'm going to have both of you at me aren't i <laughs> what about um babies and children because i i know often that people silence children when they talk about things they've seen and things that um are around them do do you think it's more you're, you're more in tuned in when you're younger perhaps oh, as you get older without a doubt because when you're young you just open up and you just go I see this I see that you don't know that it's wrong to do that or you mustn't speak to somebody who's not really there so therefore they're just being kids they're being open and they're being honest my daughter Sky Trish I told you about Kenna who she saw on the stairs she when she was about eight or nine she'd say oh, I'm just gonna pop up and talk to Kenna on the stairs upstairs with little, some little boy that she chatted to oh. and then one day I said oh you haven't talked about Kenna for a while where's um where's Kenna gone and she said oh he's gone now <laughs> oh <laughs> which completely freaked out every uh, the other children in the house <laughs> she would just be tuned into the right channel because she was very open yeah. and she'd just be able to pick them up and then as life goes on you know things change and she maybe just untuned herself well june you have been amazing you've got a very lovely energy i like it i love oh, your lovely you. so you've got a very warm feeling i think it might be because you're relaxed and on holiday as well <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming on. Thanks for chatting to me and Trish. And thank you for coming on to Postcards from Midlife. Oh, it's a total pleasure, girls. You take care of yourselves. Lovely to see you. That's our spooky intro. So chillistic. All of this spooky chat has been making me think about spooky films. Spooky films, and there's been a lot of really rubbish spooky films, and I'm not into zombies and all of that, but I tell you one really, 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 really good one that still scares the bejesus out of me is uh, Sixth Sense. Do you remember that? Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis, best role ever, I'm saying. Dear Bruce, poor Bruce, um, best role ever. It was just after all that diehard stuff. It's M. Night... Shalayaman or Shalayaman, yeah, yeah, so proper spooky credibility. Absolutely brilliant. It's got Tony Collette in it, and it's about this little boy, isn't it, who sees Sees ghosts in his house, dead people in his house, and they're all kind of disturbed dead people, and they scratch him in the night to try and wake him up and all that kind of thing. Like your little And I do little scratching, little Margot scratchy, scratchy paws. Um, But there's an amazing twist. Can you remember it? Do you want me yes. to do a spoiler? Shall I do the spoiler? Well, I mean, if you haven't seen it, for God's sake, where have you yeah. been? I mean, yeah, um, do the spoiler. Bruce, who plays the psychotherapist who's helping this little boy, he's dead all along. He's a ghost. He's a ghost! That's it's so fun. brilliant. Uh, and then, obviously, only one degree of separation uh, away at the time from his lovely lady wife of the time, Demi Moore. I know. In Ghost. I know. Patrick Swayze, another oh, spooky film. I don't Trish. know. What do you make of it all? Well, I make of it reminding me of something oh, which yeah. I think I might have buried. <laughs> What, literally buried or emotionally buried? Subconsciously buried. buried. Oh, right, okay. It's all coming Uh, out today. In the the late 70s, early 80s, my parents, I mean, they are a little eccentric, uh, had a Ouija board. (laughs) What do you say about that? Great fun. Super fun. not fun. No, not fun. 
And they, I think this was a thing that happened in the 70s. Mm. I don't think it happens now. Uh, they would take their board and go to people's houses every now oh, and again. Not yes. a lot. And, have, yes. and then they would, we would have to sort of sit in another room and chat to the, oh, children, the children. You, the children, would have While to we were all thinking, well, what if the dead people come into the wrong room by accident? What were we just, we were quite tense. For those evenings in other rooms. Is that normal? Yes. I don't know. Did you well, have a Ouija board? We didn't have a Ouija board, but I think all of our listeners will have probably done that create your own seance situation or, <laughs> or a Ouija board, you know, glasses across the table, all of yes. that. Get really into it, get a bit hysterical about it. That yeah, we definitely did that. Um, I seem to remember teenage girls. I seem to remember as a te- doing it at school as a teenager yes, as well. And it's definitely yeah. a thing. I don't mm. think the young folk do it now. It's another TikTok idea for us. The spooky old we'll ladies with their Ouija Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. I, do you know what, Trish? I think we should because I can't imagine anyone else. <laughs> no, such ever. a ridiculous idea. <laughs> this means we are at the end of this week's postcards from midlife new episodes are available to listen to every sunday on your podcast provider and we would love it please if you could download your episodes so they count on our listeners numbers and if you could rate and review us that would be marvelous marvelous yes Yes. tell your friends tell all the women you know in midlife um about the podcast and about the facebook community because we want everyone to join in the conversation it's a really great and supportive thing to do and you can of course use all of these to post feedback for us on our spooky goings on midlife things brain fogs all of that sort of thing please send us your brain fog um things yes we need them for the charts the brain fog charts so contact us at hello at post from midlife.com or pop a little message on the Instagram or Facebook group. Bye. Goodbye.